to the Big Red Bench this Saturday evening on a very, very busy Saturday evening of sport. What a show we've lined up for you tonight. We'll be going live in just a few minutes' time to the United States, to Whistling Straits, the Ryder Cup. We will get all the latest as the USA continue to batter Europe in golf's Premier competition. We'll round up all the day's results in the Premier League. A good day for Man City, not such a good day for Manchester United. We reflect on Cork City and Treaty up in Limerick last night, playing out a scoreless draw as Cork City fight to keep their playoff hopes alive in the semi in the first division. And we preview a big game for Munster as they kick off a new season tonight in Thoman Park in the brand new competition in rugby. All coming up between now and seven here on Cork's Red FM. Yeah, yeah, big weekend of sport, lots going on and loads to chat about between now and 7 o'clock here on the Big Red Bench. As I said, it is Colm O'Sullivan with you this evening and we're live until 7. We will cross live in just a couple of moments to uh, Dennis Kerwin, our man in Whistling Straits at the Ryder Cup. Um, Maybe we don't want to hear about the Ryder Cup, the way it's going for Europe at the moment. Uh, The States increasing their lead again today after building up a very significant lead um, ahead of um, of today, yesterday and the opening day going into uh, last night with a a 6-2 margin um, ahead of today's play and they've increased that further. We'll see what the latest situation is there um, as we cross live to Whistling Straits and the Ryder Cup with Dennis Kerwin in just a moment. Uh, We'll wrap up and we'll go around the grounds at all the Premier League stadiums as well and uh, as I said it was a a very good day for Manchester City they got a big big win against possibly their closest title rivals this season Chelsea Manchester United though not a great day for Manchester United and hasn't really been a great week or two for Manchester United Um, three defeats out of their last four games now as they went down to Aston Villa today and uh, to a late goal from Aston Villa but they did get a chance to equalise in injury time with a penalty but uh, Bruno Fernandes stepped up strangely to take the penalty over Cristiano Ronaldo and ballooned it over the bar so we'll have a report from Old Trafford for you and all the other Premier League grounds in just a few minutes as well we reflect on Cork City last night in action up in Limerick against Treaty United and I was there myself. Um, a good game even though it was scoreless and a great atmosphere at the game last night um, but Cork City probably needed three points to uh, to keep the playoff hopes alive but they got a point and mathematically certainly uh, the playoff hopes are alive but um, they will need to win the remaining four games and hope some of the results go their way including Cove Ramblers doing Cork City a favour by fingers crossed beating Bray Wanderers down in St. Coleman's Park tonight in that game as well we're also going to talk rugby a big night for Munster tonight they kick off a brand new season tonight in a brand new competition Munster taking on Sharks in Thoman Park in the United Rugby Championship so this is the, the latest incarnation of uh, what was the Celtic League, what was the Magnus League and what other, whatever other names it's had uh, over the years. And they've added some South African teams uh, to the mix and South African heavyweights, Cell Sea Sharks, are Munster's opponents tonight. And uh, Simon Zebo is back for Munster. He starts tonight's game as well. So we'll hear from Munster boss Johan van Gran a bit later on in the show. And uh, we'll look ahead to a big night of boxing as well. We'll round up all the uh, the day's sport for you in just a few minutes' time. But first of all, I do want to cross live to Whistling Straits. And uh, Dennis Kerwin is there at the Ryder Cup. It is, uh, I suppose it's a, it's a unique competition 
competition in golf. It's it's um, it's possibly the premier competition in golf, although maybe the US Masters or the Open might argue with that. But uh, it's definitely a, a different kind of uh, golf tournament than your average golf tournament. And it is, of course, as always, America, the USA up against Europe, uh, captained by Padraig Harrington. But it's not going Harrington's way. It's not going Europe's way. Um, it's a beautiful setting on the shores of Lake Michigan. If you've been watching it on Sky Sports over the last 24 hours, uh, it's a partisan, loud, vocal American crowd there. Um, and a lovely, lovely setting, as I said, for it. And uh, a very, very lucky man to be over there in Whistling Straits at the Ryder Cup is Dennis Kerwin. And he joins me now. Dennis, how are you enjoying it so far? Well, enjoyment is not really the word, I think, Colin. I mean, as a European, I mean, uh, they're taking an awful battering. I mean, it's just about to go nine points to three uh, heading into the evening, uh, afternoon, four balls here. And uh, for me, it's game over. It's It's been a really poor performance by a European team where so many of the members of the European team have been off form playing against an American side. You know, average world rankings of just under 10. Some of the best players we've seen in a long time, young, raw talent, and uh, they just overwhelmed this European team. They really, really have. And we saw that on the opening day yesterday, um, uh, the US going into overnight with a 6-2 lead. And we were hoping maybe Europe could claw some of it back today, but it hasn't happened, Dennis. It hasn't. I mean, John Ram and Sergio Garcia went out this morning. They were three down after three holes and they managed to win their match three and one. A brilliant performance. Once again, John Ram leading by the, you know, leading by example, world number one. Garcia played well as well. They're obviously going to keep that pairing together again for the afternoon four balls. And, you know, Europe need to win three of those four afternoon four balls. Nothing less will will do because, you know, the very worst you need to be going into a singles match is 10, is 10-6. I mean, they managed to claw the back on a couple of occasions various teams in Brookline the Americans did it in 1999 um, you know it's ironic that Padraig Harrington thought he had actually sank the winning put for Europe when he won his singles match with Marco Mira on that occasion however Justin Thomas literally 30 seconds later hold a put on the 17th green from nowhere from about 50 feet against Jose Maria Lazabal and America went on to win that Ryder Cup against all the odds Ben Crenshaw's team beating Mark James's team on that occasion and then it happened also in Medina in 2012, the miracle at Medina, and that was a miracle. It was a, a sensational performance by the European team to come back from the dead and win that match. And, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of these Ryder Cups, column come down to uh, home advantage. Seven of the last eight have been won by the home team. It looks like it's going to become eight out of nine. I can't see any way back for Europe. Uh, you mentioned the miracle. We need a miracle, all right. Um, it's just it's just a real battering, isn't it, Dennis? And I mean, we knew, obviously, we knew the home team. We knew America were going to be the favourites going into this. We knew that that partisan crowd behind them at Whistling Straits. But did we think it'd be this much? Well, you know, when you when you look at the average world rankings, as I said, the Americans have eight of the top 10 players in the world in their team, mm. uh, 10 of the top 12. The lowest ranked player is uh, Xander Schofle. He's He is, sorry, not Xander Schofle, rather, um, Scotty Scheffler, who is ranked 21 in the world. The average world ranking of the American, of the European team is around 30 and the likes of Bernd Wiesberg are ranked in the 60s. So there's a massive gulf in class between these two teams in terms of the world rankings and remember world rankings they represent recent form and you know take somebody like Rory McIlroy for example Rory McIlroy once world number one won four majors in a short space of time he's now world number 20 so that'll tell you how far Rory's form has fallen and there's a lot of other players that have disappointed so far and Rory and Ian Poulter went out yesterday morning and essentially were five down through five holes in the opening foursomes 
Ian Poulter not playing well at all, the likes of Tommy Fleetwood, the likes of Tyrrell Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick, these players have not been in form. And, uh, you know, so it, it simply boils down to that, a side that lacks form against a side that is in incredible form at present, as the Americans have over the last number of months. As I say, 10 of the top 12 players in the world on their side, formidable. Yeah, it is formidable. It's phenomenal. Uh, just from an Irish perspective, I suppose, Dennis, uh, you mentioned players not in form and Rory McIlroy uh, dropped today. Um, I mean, that's very, very disappointing for him and for Europe. He would have been a guy we would have been relying on, really, wouldn't he? I, I think myself, Rory McIlroy came to Padraig Harrington and basically said, look, I didn't play well today. You know, I, I think I might be better off just taking a little bit of a mm. break. We put him out in the four balls this evening. And don't be surprised if McElroy comes out fighting yeah. uh, this afternoon. We've seen it so many times with McElroy in the past. He's played so poorly over the first couple of days. And then it's gone out and basically you shot the lights out on the last couple of days, possibly when his chance had gone. And don't be surprised if he plays well. You know, we, we'll know the four ball pairings shortly. And uh, obviously, Ram and Garcia are going to have to be kept together. But like 10 6, three out of the four points this afternoon is the minimum that Europe uh, have to take in order to hold any hope, slender though it might be, going into tomorrow's singles. Well, fingers crossed that there is a bit of hope going into the singles tomorrow and there is something left to play for, Dennis. Just very, very finally, before we let you go back and get back and watch the golf, um, what is the atmosphere there like in Whistling Straits? Uh, it, it looks great on TV. It's a wonderful setting on the, on the, on the, the, the shores of Lake Michigan and a very partisan American crowd. What, what's the atmosphere there like? Look, the Ryder Cup is a carnival for the fans and, you know, they, they, they make the Ryder Cup. On this occasion, you it's very, very one-sided because for various reasons, reasons mo- mostly COVID and visa related, you know, you don't have a crowd coming over from Europe to support the European team this time round. The Americans are enjoying it. Their players are giving them plenty to cheer about. You know, there has been some silly booing and that for the European team, but, you know, so be it. But, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and th- that's the whole partisanship of a Ryder Cup. And uh, they should be well able to rise above that. But on this occasion, they haven't. And the Americans have given the home crowd plenty to cheer about and will continue to do so, I suspect, over the next two sessions. Well, we'll hope, so. we'll hope that's not the case. So we'll hope for a bit of a turnaround, but uh, it's not looking likely, unfortunately. Dennis Kerwin live in Whistling Straits at the Ryder Cup. Dennis, enjoy the rest of it. Hopefully we'll see a European turnaround and we will chat to you and catch up with you on the show tomorrow. Thank you very much, Colin. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, Dennis will join Rory on the show tomorrow um, and hopefully he might have better news, but you know that's that's hope against hope I think really isn't it but we shall see what happens and how it plays out in the Ryder Cup over in Whistling Straits in um, in the United States in the Ryder Cup there uh, right we want to get the latest now in the Premier League and um, there has been a couple of goals at the Brentford Community Stadium Liverpool had actually taken the lead um, through um, uh, they, they got the lead there um, um, well they've equalised in fact I think let's just let's get the latest you know what let's cross their live Ian B has the latest for us Brentford 1 Liverpool 1 Brentford's lead lasted about 3 minutes it was Ethan Pinnock who put them ahead but uh, Liverpool's equaliser scored by Diogo Jota the ball crossed him from the right hand side and he managed to head home a certain deflation in the atmosphere around the Brentford Community Stadium. We're all square again. Brentford 1, Liverpool 1. There we go. Clearing things up. Ian Beach. Good man, Ian, at the Brentford Community Stadium there for us. And we'll cross back to Ian um, later on if there's any uh, major updates in that game. But it was Brentford who held that lead. Um, and Liverpool. 
back in um, back in the game now I suppose uh, through that uh, Diogo Jota goal uh, assisted by Jordan Henderson there uh, with uh, 41 minutes on the clock there now at the Brentford Community Stadium um, and Brentford's lead uh, lasting only about four minutes there but uh, do you know what the way they've been playing you would fancy them they might possibly get back in it but it is a big big one for Liverpool because the way other results went today if Liverpool win this game they'll go three points clear at the top of the Premier League even if they are to draw the game today they'll be a point clear at the top of the Premier League and uh, they'd be quite happy with that the way things went today obviously uh, Man City beating Chelsea and um, not a good day for Manchester United going down 1-0 to Aston Villa as well and that's where we'll start a roundup of the games in the Premier League today uh, Bruno Fernandes missing a stoppage time penalty in that game as well for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side it really was a, a disappointing one for Manchester United today and uh, Darren Stanich was there watching for us nil, Aston Villa once the United's unbeaten league run comes to an end with Villa snatching the points at Old Trafford in a pulsating encounter Villa created the best chances early on Cash skying at the back post when he had an open goal Watkins as well doing well to capitalise but couldn't beat the hair United came back creating chances Fernandez going close Mason Greenwood going close and with three minutes to play Villa scored Courtney House headed home from a corner but the drama was not done United had a penalty two minutes later from a handball and Bruno Fernandez stepped up and absolutely skied it Manchester United nil Aston Villa won yeah, Ronaldo was still on the pitch and that was a big, big question as we were heading into the season or the last few weeks when Ronaldo signed for United. Who was going to take the penalties? Because Bruno Fernandes in general has a fairly good record with penalties going back to last season for Manchester United. But Ronaldo was a penalty king. Uh, well, it was Fernandes who got the chance today and he squandered the chance. So you'd imagine now possibly Ronaldo will take the penalties for the rest of the season. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been given out that United haven't been awarded enough penalties uh, this year and they finally got one. Uh, today to equalise against Aston Villa but uh, he wasn't happy after words Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and he reckoned the Villa players tried to put Fernandes off and that's why he missed The way they get round the, the penalty spot get round Bruno and all that that's not to my liking but I do understand it we shouldn't shouldn't be that way Bruno's normally very good in those positions and unfortunately just uh, missed this one and he did miss this one uh, today and uh, Villa got the victory there um, elsewhere much much better day for Manchester City um, really the favourites everyone is talking about for the league title are Manchester City and Chelsea though Liverpool uh, may definitely have something to say about that and possibly even Manchester United might too but uh, Man City uh, they will be favourites you'd imagine after the result today they had a 1-0 win at Stamford Bridge away from home against Chelsea and Mike Lawrence was there watching for us Chelsea nil, Manchester City 1 early days but arguably the biggest game of the season so far going the way of the visitors City boss Pep Guardiola beating his Chelsea counterpart Thomas Tuchel at the fourth attempt in all competitions City dominated from the start and were allowed heaps of space and freedom but not creating too many chances. Gabriel Jesus making the difference with a shot taking a wicked deflection off Chelsea's Jorginho to leave keeper Edouard Mendy stranded to the spot on 53 minutes. That made the difference. Chelsea nil, Manchester City won. Well, that puts Manchester City level on points now with uh, both Chelsea and Manchester United after the way today was, today's results went. And um, Liverpool, as we said, will go a point clear or possibly three points clear, depending on how their result against Brentford goes. But uh, United, Chelsea and City all on 13 points. City just in second place there by virtue of goal difference. And uh, speaking afterwards, um, Pep Guardiola, the Man City manager, um, he, uh, he was quite happy. And he's now, would you believe, City's most successful manager with 221 victories after today's win. 
so proud. In these 200, I don't know, 21 games, I never scored one goal. I'm sorry. So I will not be a good striker for the next years for Manchester City, that's for sure. So now I share it with all, all the people in the club, in the players. And yeah, he's doing, he's doing a great job there, isn't he? Um, and he could easily just deliver another Premier League title for Manchester City this year. But uh, certainly it's going to be really kind of a four-horse race with those uh, big four teams all battling it out um, at the top of the Premier League table. Another team who have had a great start to the season and uh, continuing as they uh, as they did under David Moyes last year are West Ham. And they were at Elland Road taking on Leeds today. And a man who has had a great start to the season as well is uh, Mikel Antonio. And he was decisive again today Adam Jury was at Ellen's Road a 90th minute winner for Mikael Antonio gave West Ham a 2-1 win over Leeds the hosts took the lead when Rafinha scored in the 90th minute but then from there West Ham had many chances to score they saw a Suchek finish ruled out by VAR for a foul on the keeper eventually a junior Thurpo own goal in the 67th minute made things all square and then in the 90th minute Antonio scored the winner to give the Hammers all three points full time at Ellen Road they finished Leeds 1 West Ham 2 he really is turning into a top top strong striker for a guy that West Ham signed a few years ago as a right back he's now a striker and he's banging in the goals a late late winner today for Mikel Antonio for West Ham giving David Moyes side that 2-1 victory over Leeds elsewhere quite a few goals four to be exact at the King Power Stadium as Leicester and Burnley played out a two-all draw in the Premier League. Derek Clark was watching for us at the King Power. Full-time Leicester 2, Burnley 2 in what was a pulsating contest. Jimmy Vardy would net three goals. The first came at the wrong end as he headed into his own net. He made amends on 37 minutes, rifling past Nick Pope. Maxwell Cornet followed Burnley back in front almost immediately and it looked as though the visitors were closing in on three points before Vardy popped up to equalise again, rounding Pope before slotting into an empty net. Chris Wood thought he'd won it in injury time but his header was ruled out for offside full-time lesser two Burnley two elsewhere Watford and Newcastle in action at Vicarage Road won all the final score Andrew Cheel was there Watford won Newcastle United won Watford were denied a late winner by Josh by, scored by Josh King when he thought so VAR ruled him offside Newcastle's Sam uh, Sean Longstaff had given the visitors a first half lead with a powerful curling right foot into the top corner from 20 yards he wasted a great chance to double the lead shooting over from 12 yards Watford finally found their mojo after the break and Ismail Saar headed his fourth goal of the season from the Danny Rose corner to, to level it up good atmosphere decent game deserved points for each side Watford won Newcastle won and one other game in the Premier League then this afternoon it was Everton up against Norwich and victory for the home side at Goodison Park Shane Pennington was there watching for us it's Everton 2 Norwich 0 and Rafa Benitez men get back to winning ways then after last week's loss at Aston Villa but it wasn't all plain sailing as they beat a Norwich side who lost for a 16th consecutive top flight game Everton took the lead when VRR ref Lee Mason told David Coote to have a look at a challenge on Allen in the box by Ozan Kabak and after reviewing it he pointed to the spot and Andros Townsend did the rest from 12 yards Norwich did push for an equaliser but didn't really threatened Jordan Pickford's goal and the game as a contest was eventually settled when Damari Gray played in Abdul Dekore and he fired across Tim Krull 13 minutes from time. Everton 2, Norwich 0. 
Yeah, that's Shane Pennington there at Goodison Park wrapping up the Premier League uh, for us today, our roundup around the grounds. And just to get you uh, the latest score as it stands now in the Brentford Community Stadium. It's half time there, in fact. And it is uh, Brentford 1, Liverpool 1 still. That uh, pinnacle goal giving Brentford the lead on 27 minutes. And Diogo Giotto, Jota even, uh, getting the equaliser for Liverpool on 31 minutes there as well. So uh, all square there in that Premier League game. We'll keep you up to date with that right across the show between now and 7pm here at home this evening Cove Ramblers in action they're taking on Bray Wanderers down in St. Coleman's Park so uh, best of luck to Cove there and uh, Cork City will be hoping Cove can get a few points off Bray there as well in that game and speaking of Cork City a good win for the Cork City FC women's team today in Turner's Cross as well a 4-1 victory for them there um, now we'll round up uh, some of the local Gaelic games action for you today in a few minutes' time as well, as soon as we get all the uh, the latest and full-time scores into us. But we will stick with football and we will stick with Cork City now because it was Cork City versus Treaty last night up in Limerick. Um, a big game for City in terms of they, they need all the points they can get now going into the last uh, few games. There was uh, five games uh, left going into last night's game. Four games remaining for Cork City now. They want to catch Bray Wanderers who are in that fifth-place position in the league um, to uh, to get to get the playoff place really and uh, possibly get back up to the Premier Division this season but um, they would have hoped certainly for three points last night they got one against Treaty and uh, now they're hoping that uh, Cove Ramblers can get a result against Bray tonight and uh, just hoping I suppose that we're all hoping that Cork City can um, win the game win their, their last four games I was up in Limerick last night great atmosphere uh, big crowd there uh, at the markets field and um, a good performance I think from Cork City um, to get that point away from home in Limerick and uh, quite a few good individual performances one of those was from Cork City's Gordon Walker and uh, Gordon joins me now on the line Gordon uh, thanks for joining us how's it going? All good call him yourself Not too bad um, I suppose probably not the results you wanted last night Gordon but it's a point and, and you're probably kind of looking at other results now in terms of how things will play out with the playoffs and so on Yeah of course we obviously uh, went into the game last night like we went to every other game you know hoping to get the three points but um, I think probably looking back after the 90 minutes, maybe it was a fair result overall. We, we could have could have nicked it at the end. We had one or two chances, but uh, I suppose that's just the way football goes sometimes. Um, just needed that bit of luck, and maybe we just didn't have it last night in comparison to maybe recently. But um, yeah, no, um, overall, you know, we were happy enough with the performance, defended well, maybe could have attacked a bit better, um, just a bit more quality in some areas, and probably could have got that goal but yeah I know it's it's overall not not too bad in the camp this morning um, looking at the result as I said there a minute ago it's probably a fair result I think so as I said I was at the game last night myself up in Limerick and I think it was a fair result um, but certainly Cork City in the second half in particular you would have to say Cork City probably the better side Gordon I mean he, he created a lot of chances and could have nicked it uh, just unlucky that, that one of those chances didn't go in I suppose yeah, we, we control possession um, for the majority of the game, I think. Um, and credit to Treaty, they defended quite well. They sat deep and it's never easy to play against 11 men behind the ball. They were just trying to get us on the counter. And as the game started to open up towards the end, I think both of us were going for it. But as I said, you know, and as you said there, we, we could have nicked it at the end. But that's just the way it is. Um, just maybe luck wasn't on our side. They're a good side, Treaty, in fairness. Um, they're a side that were kind of cobbled together 
um, in the off season a brand new club brand new side um, and they were only put together a few weeks before the season and with that in mind they've done very very well I mean they've beaten Cork City twice already this season um, Drew last night obviously and in terms of their other results where they are in the table they're in with a great shout of the playoffs they're in playoff positions at the moment um, and you'd imagine they'll stay where they are as things stand and they will be in the playoffs with a chance of going up to the Premier Division they're a good side and they've they've had a good first season haven't they? Yeah, I think you must give credit to Tommy Barrett there. I think they assembled a team really within about two weeks and to say that they're in the position they're in, you know, they're credit to themselves and, you know, that goes from the the goalkeeper and goal to, you know, the 20-odd the man, whoever they have, like, you know, a part-time team, trained twice a week and I think they're 10 points clear of six now, so, you know, credit to them and I, I think if, I think when they get to the playoffs, obviously when they're, they're in there now, but uh, I think they'll be very tough to beat for whoever they have to face. Absolutely, and uh, they proved tough to beat for City last night. But as you said, Gordon, it was it was it was a decent performance overall. I mean, very very strong defensively and creating quite a few chances going forward as well. Um, like I mean, the way Cork City have been playing in recent weeks, I, I know losing to Shelburne a couple of weeks ago, but with a depleted side, um, certainly previously to that, the Athlone game and some of the results, it's a big turnaround from earlier on in the season. And even just speaking to Colin Healy during the week and so on, I think the mood in the camp is very different to earlier on in the season within the players, within the management, and probably even within the supporters as well there's kind of a, a much better feeling about the club now isn't there yeah of course you know that uh, at the start of the season you know, there's a lot of new lads there a lot of young lads you know even myself just with the more experience and the the time we have on the pitch you know the, the more it's after clicking and you know the introduction of the likes of Aaron Bulger and Barry Coffey have been um, have been great for us you know Barry's after getting a few goals Bulger has been around leagues he's played at top level with Cardiff and he's played at Shamrock Rovers so you know that experience too, and um, obviously against Shells wasn't great because we we had a few suspended and then another few injuries. And but you know these are things you have to you have to deal with at the time. And um, I know the feeling feeling around the club is great, and you know we're already looking forward to next season. But you know there's still four massive games to go, and we're going to try and win all four of them. Yeah, and who knows what'll happen if if City do win all four games? Uh, Bray are the team that you have to catch realistically, Gordon. They're they're in fifth, and City are in seventh now at the moment. It's um, it's a seven point gap after last night with four games remaining. It's going to be very very difficult. Um, but I mean, it, it still could happen. You still have to play Bray, um, and who knows the way results would go? Uh, Bray are playing Cove down in St Coleman's Park tonight, so I'm sure uh, we'll all keep a close eye on that one and, and hope for Cove to do Cork City a favour there. Um, it, it's still all to play for, really, and I mean you just have to keep going until, it, until it's not mathematically possible anymore I suppose yeah it looks strange that things are happening but you know we're not we're not really looking at all the results and stuff uh, we're kind of focusing on ourselves at the moment and you know we, we'll only really give ourselves a chance by winning matches and that's what we're fully focused on at the minute uh, either way I mean and again chatting to Colin Healy about this during the week um, whether City do on, it's unlikely as we said now make the playoffs or not but um like realistically, things are very nicely set up for next season. Now the way the team has gelled together, you'd imagine there'll be a couple of more additions in the off season as well. Uh, the crowds are back now as well, so next season should be a very, very good season for Cork City, regardless of what division the club is in. I think. Yeah, of course. Uh, I must give a special mention to the fans as well. They've been a great yeah. boost since we've we've come back, and even last night the away support is, is excellent as well. It really gives that gives that player, you know, that extra ten percent. Really, like you know the 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 voices and the you know, just their initial support. It's great to have, and yeah, looking forward to next season. Um, a few few players have already signed down deals. I think Keen Coleman and Keen Murphy. You know, and they're two guys I think that will go on to have good football careers. You know, if not Cork City, even further. You know, um, 
but yeah, I'm sure Colin's looking forward to next season too, and uh, he, I'm, I've no doubt he'll assemble a good squad again to compete in around the top and try and get promotion. Absolutely. You mentioned the fans there, Gordon, and I mean, it was it was great last night that they were all singing and chanting and lighting flares and just getting behind the team, and, and that's been the way in recent weeks, certainly over the last month or two since the supporters have come back to games. And I suppose from your perspective, and it would be the case for a lot of this team, they wouldn't have experienced playing in front of the shed and playing in front of away crowds and all that uh, before because obviously last season and earlier on this season since you signed as well, it's been empty stadiums. So that has really helped, as you said, uh, and it seems that the players have reacted well to it. Yeah, of course. I mean, you see a few complaints about flares and, you know, banners and stuff like that. But for the players, you know, there's, there's not much complaints because we've gone long enough without it now and you you only realise... Uh, well, like, for me, of course, I've only come in. I haven't really played against crowds, in front of crowds like that. So, for me, when it was... it's Now it's there. I think back at the time that when it wasn't, then how much of a boost it is. So, there's no complaints from us as players anyways. Um it's it's much appreciated, you know. And as I said, credit to I think there was 250 supporters yeah. from Cork travel down last night. You know, they're home late and the, you know they're spending the whole day going down to support us. Like so, you know, credit to them. And it was a great atmosphere and Treaty had a good crowd of themselves last night as well. Uh, just from your own perspective, I suppose, Gordon, um, just looking at your own performances, um, as I said, I was looking on Twitter last night and I think on, on one poll I saw you were voted the, the man of the match anywhere for Cork City last night. So um, you, you, you've you been doing quite well. You missed the Shelburne game, obviously, but you've been doing quite well in defence for City uh, over the last couple of months and, and you're, you're really kind of, um, you, you've settled in very, very well and you're probably happy with your own performances, I'd imagine. Yeah, I know those those little personal accolades are always are always nice to get. But um, you know, for me, obviously, I've I've supported Cork City for a long time. You know, I'd, and to get the opportunity, I just didn't really want to let it pass too easily. So I've just been trying to give them my all, and I think that you know that has to come from across the board, which it is. You know, so for me, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a personal um, a personal achievement for me just to get to Cork City. So to play every week and give myself the best opportunity possible is what I've been trying to do, and. That's what I hope to continue to do. Absolutely. And um, just looking ahead then kind of towards the, I suppose the, the run-in for the season, as we call it, last four games now. Um, I suppose the next one is is a crucial one, really. A way to Bray next week. I mean, Bray, as we said, are the team that, that are ahead of Cork City in the fifth-place position there. Um, that's going to be a huge game next week and a game that you'll be kind of building up to all week, Gordon. Yeah, of course, Bray are a good side. I think we drew against them away um, up there already in the all. And then I think... He let a 2-0... Um, yeah, that was, like, that was a very unlucky one of the cross, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, not too sure. Like, it was, it was just, it's just one of those ones, really. Again, I'd probably <laughs> bring it back to luck. It just kind of trickles in at the end. But, you know, they, obviously it's the game. We're looking forward to the weekend. And, you know, we're going in with the mindset that we can get three points again. Uh, Shelburne are pretty much promoted, if, if you look at the table there. They're 10 points ahead. Um like they've been very, very strong this season. Galway are even ten points behind them. Do you think it was always going to be tough for for any season for any club to match Shelburne this season with the squad they had? Yeah, I think I think Shells are a good squad. They've made some good signings. I think Michael O'Connor is really an out, an out goal scorer. I think they have Ali Gilchrist as well, a really good centre half, and they've signed a few experienced players like Georgie Point and JJ Lunny in midfield. Guys that know, you know, have played at maybe a higher level in the Premier Division and. You know, Michael O'Connor has done it really in both divisions at like Dundalk and Rovers and at Waterford as well, and you know Europe as well with Waterford at that time. So, you know, it was always going to be difficult, but I wouldn't put them across as world beaters. Uh, I wouldn't say we're that far off them. 
maybe an experience wise, but I think the matches have been quite tight. Um, but no, again, credit to them. I mean, they do deserve credit for being ten points clear. It's not it's not exactly an easy league. It's not easy to go. I think they've lost one game all season. So that's you know, that's never easy. So credit to them. Can you see a first division side, whoever it may be, uh, Gordon, whoever wins between the first division teams, can you see a first division side going up this year? I mean, it could be tough at the moment if you look at it in the in the playoff position in the Premier Division. It's Dundalk. Now, you'd imagine they had a big win last night. You'd imagine they'll get out of that. But that would make it all the all the more difficult for any, I suppose, first division side to go up through the playoffs, wouldn't it? Yeah, the first division is always it's always tough to get out of, I think. Yeah, they always say if you haven't really got out of it in the first few years, it's kind of difficult to you kind of get yourself stuck in it. But I think yeah, if Dundalk finish in that second last place, it could become difficult for maybe whoever goes up. But at the end of the day, it's just a playoff match. It can go either way. If you look at Longford, they they went up probably against all the odds mm. last year. So you know it's cup football. So that's what happens. All right, it's exciting times anyway, and hopefully you never know what will happen in the running garden. We'll keep our fingers crossed, and uh, we'll hope for a cold victory tonight as well against Bray. Listen, thanks for joining us on the show, Garden, and uh, we'll see you next week for the for the Bray game, all right? No problem. Thanks for having me, Colm. No worries. Um, and Cork City in action, as we said, away from home again next weekend. Uh, they're away to Bray Wanderers, and then it is a home game the following Friday in Turner's Cross. Just two home games left, including that uh, big one against Galway on the last day of the season um, in a few weeks' time as well. Uh, just to update you on a few things ongoing at the moment, sports-wise, um, the Irish women's rugby team are in action, and uh, Ireland are now leading against Scotland in that game. Um, just from a conversion Stacey Flood with the conversion there uh, following a try um, from um, I think the try was from Stacey Flood as well and uh, it's Ireland leading there after 62 minutes against Scotland 15 points to 13 and the latest in the Premier League obviously half time still at the Brentford Community Stadium as Liverpool look to go clear at the top of the Premier League table it is Brentford 1 Liverpool 1 is how it stands there uh, that goal from Pinnock giving Brentford a lead that only lasted four minutes and uh, Jota equalising for Liverpool then on 31 minutes remains one all there and if it stays like that if Liverpool get a point there'll be a point clear at the top of the Premier League if they can get a win there'll be three points clear at the top of the Premier League after uh, Chelsea lost out to Man City today and Manchester United going down in a surprising result 1-0 to Aston Villa at home at Old Trafford as well right on the way for you in just a few minutes we'll round up uh, some latest scores and um, uh, full-time scores from the local Gaelic Games scene for you and we're going to look ahead to a big night for Munster as they kick off a brand new season tonight Thoman Park um, in uh, only about an hour's time or so that game gets underway at Thoman Park it's live on telly as well on RTE and we'll hear from Johan van Grand, the Munster boss in a few minutes here on Corks Red FM all that plenty more to come between now and 7 o'clock here on the Big Red Bench Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM. Yeah, it is the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM, wrapping up a busy, busy Saturday and busy weekend indeed of sport. Um, as we said in the Premier League, it's still half time at uh, the Brentford Community Stadium. It is Brentford 1, Liverpool 1 there. In fact, the second half just getting underway there now, and um, it is still 1 all in that game. We'll keep you up to date on that as well. I want to wrap up um, and round up some uh, local Gaelic games action for you as well. Just uh, two or three results from today. Uh, 
locally in Gaelic Games and the Bon Secures Premier Senior Football Championship today. Uh, the earlier on games of the day finishing with Castlehaven beating Air Oak 2.19 to 2.16 just three points in it there as Castlehaven ran out victory uh, ran out victorious against Air Oak and Douglas won out uh, over Valley Rovers by 13 points uh, to 1.9 in Carrigaline so a very very close one there uh, between Douglas and Valley Rovers and um, then elsewhere uh, it's just finished um, a little while ago between St Finbars and Illan Rovers um, it is uh, the Bars victorious there uh, the Bars 17 points uh, against 111 for Illan Rovers and uh, just update you Nemo in action at the moment as well um, against Carrigal Line and uh, Carrigal Line have just got a goal actually from a penalty in that game but Nemo still with a, a big big advantage there uh, 22 minutes into the second half there now in that game and it's Nemo Rangers 3-13 Carrigal Line 1-6 so uh, Carrigal Line very much uh, um, uh, taking a bit of a battering from Nemo there today but they have got a goal back in that game and uh, we, we'll get you the result of that a little bit later on as well uh, now we want to turn our attentions to rugby and months back in action for a brand new season uh, they kick off a new season tonight and a brand new competition as well they take on uh, Sharks and Thoman Park in the United Rugby Championship the United Rugby Championship is uh, the all singing all dancing new version of uh, the, the, the the Celtic League as it was previously known and various other names as well the Magners League and so on over the years um, and they're playing one of the new South African heavyweight sides that are coming into the league this year they're the Cell Sea Sharks and uh, it's a big night for Munster at Thoman Park tonight the crowds are back there'll be a big big monster crowd roaring on the Reds in Thoman Park tonight and uh, hopefully cheering Johan van Grand's side to victory and a man who I'd imagine will certainly be helping out is a returning Munster hero after a few years away he is back in the red jersey of Munster he's back at Thoman Park tonight and he is in the starting lineup. Simon Zebo, Simon Zebo uh, making his triumphant return to the Munster side tonight starting the game as I said we're going to hear now from Munster boss Johan van Gran he has been speaking about tonight's game he's been speaking about Zebo's return and he's been speaking about how pre-season has been for Munster as well Everybody came back refreshed and uh, I worked on certain parts of our game. Uh, obviously, I had to readapt in the the red versus grey game when uh, we couldn't play against both and uh, had a good exercise uh, against Exeter. Uh, we had the the national players back in the last few weeks and uh, great to have Tyg and Connor back into the building and now looking forward to... Uh, uh, a brilliant new season new competition like you said new teams uh, new format um, new qualification process so really looking forward to it and uh, really excited to be part of it yeah a very proud um, uh, South African uh, franchise um, you know they've had a, a really good season they uh, they alongside the Bulls played in, in the last few Curry Cup finals uh, both were, were unfortunately away for them uh, very t- tough to beat at home, specifically in the in the humid conditions of of Durban. And you know they've uh, put together a, a very good squad. Um, you know, uh, an excellent head coach in in Sean Everett. Um, you know they they've got structurally a, a very good program. If you look at the the Sharks Youth Academy, and you know they've got uh, uh, some proper players. So um, really looking forward to to meet them first up, in in which will be a, a first game up north for for them as well and uh, you know uh, a lot of respect from my side uh, towards them 
Yeah, look, we can't wait to to have our, our fans back from a, a proper match in the in the red versus grey game. We we had uh, you know a, a few thousand supporters in, and and just the noise was incredible. And uh, you know, just when when both teams ran onto the field to to actually experience it. Uh, the the away game at Exeter was brilliant to to have around 10,000 people in and and I believe from uh, the whatever capacity we have on the weekend um, you know I believe that all the tickets will go quickly in the next few days and you know from a club point of view we we love to play at Thoman Park and um, you know we we can't wait to play in front of our supporters from a from a competitive point of view and. It'll be great for for not only uh, the opposition that we play, but also for ourselves to experience the, the old Thoman Park um, feeling, stand up and fight, and uh, like I said, really looking forward to it. Now look, Zeebs was was always a class player. He just continued that way at, at Racing. I'd say he's he's certainly developed his game even more. Uh, from a maturity point of view and from a leadership point of view, obviously the the more you play, the the more experienced you you become, and just uh, small little things in terms of back three play and the way you attack and the way you defend and, and a running line, and he's really shared that with, with everybody you know around him. And you know we've got a saying that um, you know we we don't compete with with each other, we work with each other, and uh, he's been really excellent with. With the older lads and the younger lads, and if you just look at our squad, there's some incredible competition in that back three, and uh, everybody's bought into it, and, and so is he. So really good to have him around the building. It's only about round one in the United Rugby Championship, and you know, the Champions Cup will will follow follow on in in December. And you know uh, what you do throughout the season, you know, needs to prepare you to to get into a knockout game, and every team starts on zero again. And uh, like I said, from a United Rugby Championship, the fact that there's four pools and, uh, you know, only the top guy goes through to the Champions Cup and to the playoffs. And then the next four teams is is whoever's the best from the next 12. So really challenging season ahead. And like I said before, uh, our only focus is this weekend on the Sharks. We're starting at home. Very unknown for, for both teams and uh, for, for everybody involved. And uh, we see it as really exciting, really challenging. That is Munster boss Johan van Gran speaking ahead of uh, tonight's game for Munster up in Thoman Park against the Sharks in the United Rugby Championship. And Jack O'Donoghue, he's in the team for Munster, starts tonight as well. And he's also been speaking ahead of the game. Yeah, had a good preseason. It was tough. Um, you know, first two weeks, very much uh, led by the S&C department. And I think we got a lot of work done early on. And then to be able to folks on the rugby for the, the, the latter end of the preseason was was um, was very beneficial for us. I think the whole group and as a whole has really hit the ground running. Um, I think you saw that from the performance that result against Exeter that the group of players that are here, they're, you know, a young, ambitious group and they're certainly hard working and I suppose we're just looking forward to kicking off the season now on Saturday. Oh, it's been a seamless transition from, you know, they're they're, they, they might seem young, but they're they're certainly a confident group, and and their abilities is is incredible. You know, from the work that they've done in the academy and the transition through. I think you know last year with COVID, it brought us all very close together as a group as a whole, and I think that that has just eased the transition for a lot of them. And a lot of them, you know, they might be in the academy or just moved up to the senior system, but it feels like they've been around certainly for for the last two three years anyway. Definitely, you know, over the last few years, I have been building in, in, into that um, more of a leadership role. And I suppose with, with unfortunately losing CJ, Billy, 
um, Tommy, these lads, you know, they were huge, huge men within our squad. So there, there, there is that gap within there. And I think, you know, over the last few years that there has been kind of a transition period. And yeah, I, I see myself as, as one of the senior players within the group and, and to be able to, I suppose, you know, give some work words of wisdom to, to some of the younger lads when 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 you're on the field together is, is hugely beneficial I've been there in, in that situation and you know an arm around the shoulder or a quiet word during a game you know goes a long way Munster's Jack O'Donoghue speaking ahead of their game against Sharks tonight in Thoman Park best of luck to Munster hopefully they can get off to a winning start in their first game of the season um, in the new United Rugby Championship uh, we're going to stick with uh, Matters Rugby now just for another few minutes and we're going to hear from Munster and Ireland women's rugby star Anna Capeless uh, she recently helped Munster to a magnificent victory as they clinched the Interprovincial Championship and Anna has also been taking part in the hit RTE series Ultimate Hell Week um, and she is one of three Cork sports people involved in that, along with Peter Stringer and Valerie Mulcahy, and they're all uh, basically putting their uh, putting their bodies and their minds uh, mentally and physically to the test. Uh, it's tough, tough going. And um, she's been speaking to our man Jeremy McCarthy about uh, Ultimate Hell Week and also about Munster's Interpro success. Well, no, it's a real thrill to have a member of the Munster Senior Women's Rugby Interprovincial Championship winning team and also um, an Irish Rugby International on the Big Red Bench with us here. It's Anna Capeless. Anna, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Before we talk about rugby, we have to talk about the RTE series Ultimate Hell Week. Um, it has been gripping viewing. You were a member, uh, have been a member of that cask. Before we talk about the show, how did you come to be involved in it first? Um... I was asked through uh, a former teammate of mine, um, she had been asked to take part. Um, there was actually somebody else supposed to do it and she was managing an injury and kind of in the end she wasn't fit enough to take part. So I was only asked to do Hell Week about two weeks out from the show, um, which was just around, just after, like, or around Six Nations time, actually... Um, so I had been, you know, training for Six Nations and, and, and in the end wasn't selected, which was, you know, very d- disappointing for, from my own perspective. So I was, you know, this, this opportunity appeared. Do you know what? I actually said no. I was like, absolutely not. That sounds terrific. Like, no. Like I said, no. I, do you know what? I was asked and I kind of thought about it. Then I watched one of the previous episodes and I was like, nah, like that's not for me. Like I don't, I'm not. I wouldn't be into that but kind of different things happened um, that that all kind of pointed towards you know that I should take this opportunity and sure I went with it anyway and uh, yeah it was um, you know I, 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 I'm disappointed with, with some parts of it but also very happy with you know kind of having taken the opportunity having thrown my hat at it and having now kind of built up an a, a unbelievable network with the other kind of recruits as we called ourselves or we were called you know um, who are just fabulous people and and have been we've all been in touch and kind of grown together as a a friendship group now since yeah I was going to say to you my heart went out to watching the episode Mm. where where you had to where you had to step away from it because look it, it is clear that you're right to, to the camaraderie amongst the group was pretty obvious from day, from the very first episode. But mm. because you're only seeing highlights of something, the pain and the anguish and just the, whatever about the physical side of it, the mental side of it. I mean, you couldn't have been prepared for that, for the way they tested you mentally. 
yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can compare all you want, kind of physically, and like they kind of they had suggested kind of ways to train. You know, and I obviously hadn't put in that training because I only, first of all only found found out two weeks beforehand, and then also was um, was training for Six Nations as well at the time, so I didn't have time to be. One of the suggestions was crawl through a river with a weight on your back. I was like, what? Is this kind of kind of training, like you know, so you can prepare for those things or in my case you know just kind of go with whatever physical ability you have at the time and, and hope it can bring you so far but the mental aspect yeah was was very very tough I think I think I went in there kind of not not at a great time because like I said you know it was a very tough time for me having you know trained so hard and in the end wasn't selected for Six Nations I was in kind of a, a, a tough place being hard in myself at the time anyway and kind of what I feel like wasn't able to get past that because the thing is you know, what happened with the boat, and you're right, it doesn't, uh, it only shows snippets of what went on. Like, it actually, it doesn't, although it's an amazing show and it seems to capture it very well, there's no way in hell <laughs> it could capture the full experience. And ha- what happened on the beach then, I was furious at myself afterwards because I didn't think, like, you know, if you're if you're stuck you know, and you're, you're struggling with something, what you do is you reach out and you ask someone or you, you think of a different way of doing it. And I could think of a million different ways of, of doing what I did and what we did as a team at the time. Afterwards, I was like, why didn't we do it this way? Why didn't I just do that? But you're not in. It's designed so that you don't think laterally like you normally would. You know, we'd no sleep, very little food, you know, constantly on edge. Um, you know, that that's that's all deliberate. So that when the pressure is on, you, you don't make the decisions or, or act like you normally would. So what happened on the beach, you know, when we were carrying the boat and I just completely just wore out my legs. I just couldn't get it right in my head. How do I tackle this now? How do I approach this problem? And I, my back was against the wall and, and, you know, I was like, you know, it was evident in the show. I started to slow the team down and I started to actually kind of fall and pull down the boat and I could feel that, you know, my, my you know, teammates were, were being slowed down because of me. So it actually became very, very tough then to, to, to continue with it. Um, who did you, which charity did you, uh, attend the show on behalf of and, and what have you taken from it the experience um, so Pieta House was a charity that I represented um, you know after the, the year and a half that we've all been through and you know just the the, 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 the um, tough kind of mental challenge that all of us have been through in, in the last year and a half I just thought it was a very worthy cause you know they, they support um, mental health and and uh, um, uh, people who are grieving from 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 suicide, um, that they support those those people as well, which is very important. And um, yeah, like I, it was great to kind of reach out to them and, and build that link with them, and hopefully, um, you know, if nothing else, raise a bit of awareness and a bit of money for them. Um, but also, I've taken a lot from it, and I'm glad that the show is out there now because you know, it was hanging over me all summer, and I was, you know, I was very disappointed after it, and trying to kind of find the positives in it but people were you know when people found out it was on the show like oh cool you're on Hell Week that's so cool and getting very excited and I was just kind of you know nodding my head like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like knowing that I was only going to be in it for the two episodes or whatever so I'm glad that, kind of, that part is done now and I can move on with the positives which is you know I I 
I trained really hard after Hell Week. Like I had a you know a bit of a break. We went back into camp, and I was like, right, trained the house down. Was 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 playing and training so well all summer with the kind of thought in my head that this isn't as hard as Hell Week and I did this already in Hell Week and I can do this again ten times over because the weird thing about Hell Week was there was no concept of where the finish line might be you know whereas you know in, in rugby you've got your 40 minutes 80 minutes and you know when you're doing conditioning you've got another couple of hundred metres to go or another 10 minutes or 5 minutes of work whereas with Hell Week there was no concept of that you know so when, when I'm you know, training now and, and I'm starting to flag like I can measure it as to how much is left and how much I can push through, you know, whereas that was very different in Hell Week. So that's that that that's another thing that I've taken away from it, just the kind of the mindset um to get into of just kind of keep keep working hard because, you know, the end the end is actually coming. <laughs> well look, congratulations on I mean, even to do what you did it takes a huge, huge effort mentally and physically. And clearly you benefited from it, as you said, because Munster went Went on to win the interprovincial, the Vodafone interprovincial championship this year. Good, res- great result against Ulster. Connacht really put it up to you for three quarters of the game. But the last one against Leinster, about as good a performance as I've seen from the Munster women in a long time. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, probably. Um, I think just the, the the quality of the coverage as well, and just kind of how how much like do you know what I always think like when you see um, the men play and you have like clips and short clips of them afterwards from all these different angles if they're doing something well like we had that with TG Catter and just the really good you know coverage and and the different angles and and, you know the, the, the quality of it meant that people were able to like watch moments back and there were moments being tweeted and retweeted and things like that. I think that's very, very important for any sport and particularly for us in, in women's rugby. Like I, I find there's a lot of, you know, live streaming that goes on, you know, especially when I've played over in the premiership, a lot of live streaming. But it just doesn't produce the same quality of the clips and stuff that you can watch and share and rewatch. Because, you know, social media now is where support is coming from for 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 teams and for players. So that that was brilliant. So I think that yeah, of course, like the the um you know, the the coverage was brilliant, but you are right in saying that that the, the performance was excellent, like that is uh, Anna Capeless talking about Munster's interprovincial championship win in the women's rugby and uh, talking about her time in RT's Ultimate Hell Week as well with Jur. Um, speaking of uh, women's rugby, actually uh, disappointing for Ireland full time over in Italy in Parma and bitter disappointment for Ireland. A hard fought win for Scotland, uh, just two points in it. Scotland, 20 points. Ireland, 18 points. The final score in that game there. And uh, there has been um, a bit of action in the Brentford Community Stadium because I was just going to uh, inform you of, of Liverpool taking the lead uh, a little while back again through uh, Mo Salah getting another goal but then in the last couple of minutes Brentford have equalised again so it is Brentford 2 Liverpool 2 as it stands there at the Brentford Community Stadium now just before we finish up and hand you over to Stevie G just briefly turning your attentions to boxing because it is a huge night in the world of boxing tonight as unified world heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua takes on undefeated Ukrainian Alexander Yusek. Uh, he is the WBO mandatory challenger. It's at Spurs Stadium, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium tonight. Should be a great atmosphere and a cracking fight. And uh, just want to play you uh, just a very, very short bit of Anthony Joshua speaking at the press conference ahead of tonight's fight. 
for me, I don't know what to expect uh, in terms of whether it's going to be booze or cheers, but it's nice that people have come out for a good time. Even Usyk got cheers as well, so people know it's going to be a good night of boxing, and that's the main thing. As I always say, as long as boxing's winning, we're all winning. Yeah, it's winning, mate. 65,000 at a stadium. Respect between you at the head-to-head, -head. respect all week. Do you respect him, but don't fear him? No, I, I don't know. Like, respect, fear. Uh, it's just a fight. We just do our best. We train, honestly, like... Like, I'm not someone that's going to be disrespectful unless someone's disrespectful to me. I respect the man. He's achieved phenomenal things. So what more can I say except for good luck to him on the weekend. And uh, I hope it is a good fight for everyone that's come out because I know how people work hard to put their money into this type of stuff. That is Anthony Joshua speaking ahead of his big fight tonight. Joshua Yusek, the big fight tonight. Uh, Skybox office is where that will be shown tonight, I think. And uh, it's crazy at the Brentford Community Stadium. So we had uh, Salah put Liverpool 2-1 up. And uh, Brentford got one back on 63 minutes to make it 2-all. 67 minutes on the clock now. And Liverpool have just scored again. Uh, Curtis Jones getting the goal for Liverpool this time. Liverpool 3, Brentford 2 is how it stands there. Uh, and there is still um, 22 minutes of normal time left in that match. That is us out of time for this evening. Rory will be here with the bench tomorrow evening from 6pm, rounding up all the weekend sport. And I'll be back with you on the 10 to 2 show tomorrow morning from 10am. Stand by for Stevie G. Have a wonderful Saturday night, whatever you're doing, and I'll chat to you in the morning. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm.